When it comes to heist ticket sales, do you feel awkward about the strategies and tactics most quote gurus out there are telling you to use? When you picture a high ticket salesman, do you think the only way for them to be successful is to be aggressive and always be closing and pound, pound, pound and do whatever it takes to get that sell? Well, if that's the case, you couldn't be more wrong. And my guest today, Chandler Walker, is the perfect example of that. Chandler is all about changing the culture of sales in the world today, showing people that there's a better way than all these hard pressure tactics to close the deal. And not only does it generate more sales for you, but it makes your customers feel better about what they buy. He calls it compassion selling. And in today's episode, we're gonna dive into that, how it works. He's gonna give some specific tactics you can implement right away to incorporate this in your business. So grab a cool drink, sit back, enjoy this episode with Chandler Walker of What's the Secret Podcast. Tired of being at the mercy of your job? Tired of watching your hard work fill someone else's bank account? Want control of your time and lifestyle? Well, if you want the real secrets, the gurus won't tell you of how ordinary people, just like you and me, can create thriving businesses that deliver financial and lifestyle freedom, you're in the right place. Aloha, my name's Tom Gaddis, and welcome to What's the Secret Podcast. Aloha, Chandler. Welcome to What's the Secret Podcast, man. How's it going? Doing well. Happy to be here. Hopefully we can provide some value. And if people are listening, they don't fall asleep at the wheel if they're driving and they walk away happy with a smile on their face. Yeah, please don't fall asleep at the wheel if you're driving, right? <laughs> yeah, well, listen, I'm, I'm excited to have you here. It's so interesting um, how these podcast interviews come about because I guess you stumbled on the show, you reached out to me, put a little more conversation and uh, you're like, hey, I have some little insights on high ticket selling and things that's a little different. Why don't, let, why don't I come on the show and talk about it? And I was like, man, I think that's awesome. Because uh, we've talked a little bit about it in some past episodes. And I want to I want to get into that relatively quickly. But before I do that, maybe you can tell listeners a little bit about you, uh, kind of where you come from, your background, and uh, we'll just go from there. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, just abbreviated version. I grew up with a mom who had bipolar disorder. And so I learned how to communicate with someone in a neutral way basically from a young age and learned how to not hold it against them and not to see anger towards a person, which I think happens often, which put me on a path towards medical school. Got a little disenfranchised by the system because I, I didn't feel like I wanted to be giving medication for a living. I wanted to be providing health, health, old care. Uh, and so I broke off and we opened up our business Stone Age Fuel, which is a health and fitness brand. We help in six areas of wellness, mental health, social health, sleep, nutrition, fitness, habits. And over the course of building that, I did probably three or 4,000 one-on-one conversations with people to enroll them in our programs, which were high ticket. It was $3,000 minimum to work with us. We moved it online but right before COVID hit, thankfully. I tell people I, I knew it was coming, so I'm going to write a book about that eventually. <laughs> but then uh, once we went online, it was I charged more. So it was like $3,200 to start with us. And one thing that I never liked was most of the sales trainers and people I worked with told me, you have to be aggressive. You have to, the sale doesn't start till the close. You have to assume the close, tell them, be sir, MasterCard, rip that card out of their hands. And it just didn't align with me. And it, and it didn't align with who I was and, and sort of what I was building. Like I'm helping people get better in terms of health, but I'm also being aggressive to get the sale. 
And so what I did was I took a look at what we built in our program and I took a look at what I was doing with people and we created a system I call compassion conversations to enroll people into these higher end services without manipulation, without aggressive tactics and based on what I call a biopsychosocial approach. So using things like cognitive behavior therapy, motivational interviewing, acceptance commitment therapy, and, and a host of other psychographic modalities that really allowed us to step out of the domain of sales and step into the domain of a therapeutic conversation. You know, I find that extremely interesting because I too feel the same way you do about some of the sales training I see, especially in the internet marketing online world, you know, like it just, you know, it just has always struck me as kind of like, I don't know, just, you know, like, ah, especially if it's like people, you know, like somebody's like, oh, I want to check out one of your programs. And you're like, oh, I don't know if I want them to go through the salespeople, you know, like they're, it's like, I don't know. I've just had a, and so we've done things at our company to um, combat that as well. Like, you know, we don't do a lot of that stuff simply because of that. Like it just, you know, but the pressure to do those things is out there because they work, right? Like people get results with them. Well, I, I should, maybe I should take that back. Maybe they don't quote work in the way we think they work, but people get results with them, right? So they assume that's the only way to do it. Yeah, exactly. And, and people think, well, you have to be aggressive to get someone's money or they're not going to part with it. And, and I think the problem that manifests itself, and, and when I see this in larger businesses, what happens is they get the money but they also get the refund request. And so it ends up being this double-edged sword to where they have a really high rate of refunds because buyer's remorse presents itself, but they also have a really high close rate. So it, it kind of attacks itself and they can say, look how high our close rate is, but they don't tell you about the refund rates on the back end and the amount of people who come out immediately and don't even participate in the program. So I think it presents as, as a bigger problem on the back end. Yeah, you know, it's interesting they say that because we 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 discovered that pretty quick when we got into this space, like, Oh, all the, the numbers and people throw around in the beginning are not an accurate picture of what's really going on behind the scenes, you know? And, um, one of the things too, what you were talking about with the, the refunds and the, the, you know, yeah, they get the person's money. Like we have a lot of internal conversations at our, our company about who we want to work with for that very reason, because like, it's very easy and very alluring to make a sale and then you make another sale. And then like all of a sudden you just want to make as many sales as you can, not because you're a bad person, but because you have a business. Right. And you're like, Oh, and so that, that line can get very slippery really quick of what you're willing to do, especially when you hear everybody else saying like, Oh, this is just standard operating procedure. Right. Um, have you found any like pushback from like the people that come through your programs? Like what kind of feedback do you get from them in comparison to maybe other things they've been involved with? Yeah. Typically when people come through my program and I lately I've gotten people who have been through like five or six different programs. It, I call it like the, it's the guru recycling world. They it's the same thing over and over again. They finally end up at, at with us and they usually come back and say, it's a breath of fresh air. They're like, everything I've gone through has been, sort of the same thing, just recycled in a different way. And so when they come to us, they say, but the way you approach it, the way we have this detached from the need to sell, we have the challenging leader concept and the cognitive questioner concept. Uh, a lot of people tell me that it's something they haven't experienced before. It's something different and it's something unique. 
And then when they get on a call, there's no more pressure. They don't feel like oh, I got to enroll this person. I, I've got to take their money. They're not worried about it. It's not racing in their head through the whole thing. They're not worried about handling objections at the end. They just get to go to the conversation as a human being and talk with another human being. So let's talk about that, that detachment that you talk about from needing to make the sale, because like, I mean, I guess that, I mean, when you're making sales and you're generating income, much easier to feel detached about things. Right. But when you're like, when you're on that call and like, you really need to close this deal because you like, you know, the kids want to eat in a few days or you got a bill due on Friday. Like it can be a, you know, uh, very hard to fight that. How do you like, what are some tips and things that you can give to people that, that maybe, you know, um, are just starting out and are struggling with that feeling of like, Oh, I got to make this sale every time I get on a call that can kind of help them get past that. Yeah. I think the first thing that I work with people on is removing the one call close mentality. Because when we go on the conversation that we need to close it today, it puts a lot of pressure on the person. And then the person needs to put a lot of pressure on the prospect. And so if we can remove that mindset and step into a mindset of be flexible based on the individual, we can make the sale within usually a week or two, but we don't have to pigeonhole it into the one call close environment. So for example, if you get on the call and you know someone has a spouse and you know the spouse needs to be part of the conversation, it becomes a two call environment. If you get on and the person and you just, we look at finances immediately. So we teach people how to talk about money and not be afraid of it. So how to get on, talk about money, notice there's a problem with budget, have them go do a budget exercise and come back on the call. Stuff like that removes the idea that you need to enroll in one call and takes the pressure off there. And then the second thing we look at is coming to the conversation, sort of detaching from need. And we'll do an exercise with the people in our program where about 10 minutes before the call, we're not like listening to heavy metal music and getting amped up and like jumping up and down. We're moving into a neutral mindset. And there's an exercise I really like that plays into this. That's a part of, of I, I believe, cognitive behavior therapy, but it's the idea of the leaves on a stream. So we, uh, we teach our people to sit there and imagine leaves on a stream. And your emotions, you put it on the leaf and you allow it to pass by. If it stops and it gets stuck, you don't fight it. You don't push against it. You just let it be there. And so what we're doing is we're teaching people how to move themselves from the idea of the future, what could happen, the idea of the past, and pull themselves back into the present moment. And I think without getting too like woo-woo with that, what it really does is it teaches you how to just think where you're at right now, not think about where you're going to be, where you need to be, what's going to happen, what could happen just what is going on right now and remove the need from any of the, the possible situations that could present themselves. Man, I think that exercise is a great exercise. That kind of visualization, visualization stuff you're just talking about. Like I used to think that was kind of woo-woo. Now I know it absolutely works. Like you do those little things, you feel silly kind of doing them at first, but when you notice the difference, you're like, oh my gosh, why wasn't I doing this sooner? Exactly. I had a guy come through my program and he comes, he gave a review somewhere and it was like Chandler had us meditating before sales calls. He was like, and I was, I was good. I was ready. I was no longer worried about it. And I was like, all right. So like we can be woo woo and we can, we can be proud of it finally. <laughs> yeah. That, well, one thing you said when you were talking about it, you talked about talking about like you address the finances up front. And so this is, and we're talking about high ticket selling here. So I think that's an important topic I want to dive a little bit into because I do know you're right. Like most people are really scared to talk about the money. It's like, that's why you, you see. So I think so many people that just like, they just pile things on, pile things on, pile things on before they give you the price. Cause the reality is they're afraid to, that when they say the price, you're going to be like, Oh, you know, 
that's crazy. So let's just throw as much stuff at you as we can. Exactly. Right? Today, you're going to get a pipe wrench, the kitchen sink. I have a monkey we're going to throw in. I have this box that I got from over here and a bag of coffee. <laughs> yeah. So how do you, how do you deal with the price up front as well? Like, how do you address that with a, you know, with a lead without, I guess, you know, turning them off? Cause I think the fear of talking about the price up front, right. Cause you have a two, I guess a two edged sword here, right. You're afraid to tell them a price like when you get down there, but also you don't want to talk about it early because you don't want to scare them. I guess that's the fear people have, right. That they're going to scare somebody off. Yeah, exactly. And so what we do is we teach people how to talk about money. And, and most of the time, like you're saying, and like we've said a few times is people are afraid to ask questions about money. And if you're afraid to ask questions about money, well, you're probably not in a position to take money. So in the beginning, usually within the first 20 minutes of the call, we're, we immediately start telling them, hey, look, in order, and this is part of the challenging leader concept too. If you can't ask these hard questions, you probably can't ask them as a coach. So you need to re-educate yourself on what coaching really is and, and kind of redefine your role. And so when we go into this, we tell them, hey, look, so in order for us to really see if we might be able to help you, it's, it's going to be incredibly helpful to talk about money. And, then, and I just want to see if it's okay if, if we can chat about that, if you're comfortable with that. Most people say yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. If they say no, you, gotta, you, you challenge them right there because you're challenging their coachability at the same time. So if they say no, it's like, well, that, that might be a little bit of a, a problem. And they'll, they'll ask why. Well, because should we, do, should we get into a coaching relationship? We, we might have to have some hard conversations. And if we can't do that together, it makes me think we might not be able to, to help you. And if you use the tonality I just used, you can say that kind of stuff. If I was a jerk and I was like, you, well, then we can't help you. It comes off like this guy sucks. But in the other way, oh, okay, you know, he's just trying to help. And I call it the smart dummy concept because I sound like I'm not, I'm not 100% confident. I'm not super aggressive. I'm just a guy trying to help. And so then when we move into the finances, it's just like, okay, well, talk to me a little bit about what your, what your budget looks like. What is your, what does it look like at the end of the month? What does it look like after expenses? What does your credit situation look like? Are you drowning in debt or are you fine? And then anything else that's going on. And so then we can uncover the financial picture. And if it comes in lower than what the program's going to be, we can tell them, well, you know, the program's probably going to range in this, this area. And I'm just, I don't want you to be bummed out at the end if you think it's something that can really help. But uh, are you willing to stretch? to get into this range to make this happen, should we decide it makes sense for you? And then you get a yes or a no. And if it's a no, you challenge it again. So we're able to move them into a conversation to understand their budget, to ask them if they're willing to stretch and move, and then to move forward in the conversation, should they be okay with it or not, if they're combative and not willing to participate in the conversation. Man, I think that is super smart. That is super smart. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about maybe I want to take a step back for a second because like, you know, we've already got the person here, but do you guys do something like, do you do something specifically to like warm people up or pre-frame them before they actually get on the call? Like what generating the leads, you guys have a, a, a tactic to that. Cause I know we kind of just jumped into like, okay, the person's on the call. This is what we're going to do. But do you guys do anything like pre that conversation to kind of um, get them ready? I guess. Yeah, we'll do a couple of things. One of my favorite methods, and I remember, I think it was Dan Kennedy said that a, per, per, a person shouldn't get on a sales conversation with you if they don't know who you are or if they're not familiar with you. That's paraphrased. He probably said it differently, but 
the way we do it is we, I typically like to get people into my Facebook group and I like them in the Facebook group because they have the opportunity. I have the opportunity to know what they're struggling with, with questions. I have the opportunity to tag them in the videos associated with their struggles. They're going to consume a live video we do every week. And then by the time they get to the phone call, we've already had like usually eight to 10 touch points. And the more touch points you have, the more likely it is they're already going to be receptive to what they want to do with you. So typically that's the, the environment I like them to come in through. If they don't come in through the Facebook group, they'll come in through one of our, like a VSL or something off an ad. And if that happens, then we have a pre-call sheet. So they fill out their little pre-call sheet and it's not about me, it's about them. So it's not like, why should I choose to work with you and stuff like that? It's more like, so what's going on? Why do you think you might possibly need help right now? So language like that in, in the application, they fill it out. Then they get a thank you page, which has like seven videos on. And so it's, videos are all about pre-framing mindset. And so the first video is just like, hey, a thank you. Here's what to expect. Here's exactly what the call looks like and exactly what we're going to go through. So that way they know ahead of time what we're doing. Because what's the number one reason people don't show up to phone calls? Because they're, they're afraid of the, yeah, yeah, exactly. They're afraid of the process. And so just everything out in the open, everything clear, everything, look, I'm a nice guy. Look, I'm not scary. I don't wear a mask or anything like that. Then it's just a, a videos based on the objections we might get. So fear, time versus money, money. Are you in alignment with your spouse or business partner? Stuff like that, just to make sure that they come in pre-framed with a mindset that they understand what's happening. They understand what could happen and that they're ready to not necessarily sign up, but they're ready to get on the call. They're not fearful of. Mm. Yeah, that's great stuff. This episode of What's the Secret Podcast is sponsored by Offline Sharks. Offline Sharks, where website designers, social media experts, SEO professionals can get custom software tools and training on how to quickly scale and grow their digital agencies. If you're looking to build reoccurring revenue into your agency and go from one to two clients to six figures and beyond, Offline Sharks is the place to do it. So head over to offlinesharks.com forward slash Tom and start growing your agency today. And so, all right, so we talked about pre-framing the people. We've talked about having them on the call, like the, the setting up, talking the finances, doing those things. Um, you know, when you talk about not like not being afraid of having multiple calls, one thing that, com that, that comes up for me is like, okay, well, you know, that's great to be able to have multiple calls, but at, at what point do you kind of like decide some, you know, that like this can't go any further. Like maybe somebody's just sort of, you know, stringing you along, I guess. Um, what are some of the red flags that kind of would, would be an indicator that that's happening? And then, and how do you kind of address that? Yeah. And that's the concept we have called be, we call being a challenging leader. And so, for example, if someone comes on the call and they give me non-buyer language, which is like, I'm ready to sign up. Let's do this right now. Blah, blah, blah. I love your hair. You're so handsome. All of those things to me are non-buyer language because they're in a, there's character state. So there's the adult, there's the child, and there's the, the parent state. If someone's trying to make me happy and pleasing me, give me all these compliments, they're in a child state. They're just trying to please me. And so I don't need to feed into that. I need to challenge that and make sure they are in a mindset to make a decision. And if they're not, and they continuously stay in that state, I know that's a good opportunity to tell them, hey, might not be the best fit right now. Maybe let's explore this and I'll follow up with you in six weeks or a month or two months or whatever we decide at that time. Or say we're, we're going through and we're talking about, hey, so 
And like, talk to me about your business partner, your significant other. And are, are you two in alignment? Do they even know you're on this call? Do they make decisions in the business? Are they completely oblivious to anything happening? And if the, you get a lot of pushback there, it's probably another opportunity to, to either move the call away or tell them, hey, maybe not the best time. I really think you should, you, you, you might possibly want to explore being in more alignment with the other person who's involved in this kind of stuff. Uh, because for me, like, if you get on a call and you get a spouse objection at the end, it's because you didn't discover the alignment that they're in. And so if you can discover, do they know what's going on? Do they not? You can see if this person's going to be a fit. And if you can see if they buy, if their spouse or their business partner is going to get upset and you're going to get a refund request. So all of these things along the way, I think we have to challenge appropriately, confidently, but also subtly and compassionately so we can push them away or take the appropriate action to move it to an additional call for the close. I'm curious. So the childlike, the childlike state you talked about when somebody's like, oh man, I love you. I want to jump in and do all that stuff. Like, why is that kind of a red flag for you that they're not going to be a good fit when they're saying like, I want to buy? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? And so what we find is the people who come on and in that are in that childlike state, they're saying these things because they may have like put you in a position of like a guru. They really, they do, they believe in what you're doing. They, they believe in the vision or, or stuff like that, but they also want to make you happy. And so they have this inherent need to please. And typically this comes from like childhood, not being the child who got enough attention or, or something like that. But uh, so when we see that language and we get to the end of the conversation, we usually get, and I want to think about it. And so by challenging that, that's how we can mitigate and remove that objection before it even becomes a, a problem. And I really think it manifests because they are in that childlike state from their past. Hmm. And how would you, and just, a, just a, maybe a quick example, how would you challenge that state? Like what's something you would say to challenge it? Yeah, that's a good question. So, so if someone's like, oh, I love your program, I love you, I love your hair. It's like, oh, whoa, 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 one second. You, you said something interesting there. What did you mean by, I love your program? Like, what's so, what's, what's so good about it? So I'm on the know, like, my program sucks. Why do you like it? <laughs> and so then they have to tell me, well, I don't know. Well, you don't know. If you love it, maybe, maybe you, you might possibly want to look into it a little bit. So stuff like that. I'm, I'm challenging them, but I'm also like, I'm, I'm stuttering a little, maybe I'm dropping my tone. So I don't look like a jerk, but I'm, I'm gathering information as to what is actually going on in their head. Yeah, that's great. So I have uh, one final question for you. What should I have asked you that I haven't? Yeah, I think the, the biggest question to ask is how do we change the landscape of sales? Like how do we remove people from this mindset of you have to be aggressive? You have to handle objections. You have to assume the sale. And, and how do we really take a stand to change that dynamic? That's great. That's great. Well, man, it has been you a ton of great information. Like, I, I feel like I seem to say this every episode. And I don't know if I just get lucky with guests or what. But like, if you're listening to this, you should go back and listen again. It was really, really awesome. But Chandler, can you tell people where they can go to find out more about you, what you've got going on and get more information on uh, the system you're talking about? Yeah, we have a free training available. It's the simple three-step strategy my clients are using to enroll high-ticket people without manipulation, aggressive tactics, or being salesy. Just go to ninestep.cultureofcare.life. Notice we put culture of care in there because we build a culture of care. Uh, and if you want to get deeper into our system, uh, if you actually opt in for that training, it'll send you to our Facebook group too. So you can go in there. As soon as I see you going in there, I'll tag you in a bunch of trainings, and then you can help us take over the world in a meaningful and positive way. 
Man, that's awesome. Yeah, and I will put a link to that on the show notes of this episode. So to get to the show notes, just go to tomgaddis.com. Click on this episode. It'll be on the homepage. You'll find the notes there. You'll see all the links and things we mentioned there. And Chandler, it was great having you on the show. I really enjoyed this conversation. And uh, I feel like there's more we could talk about. So maybe down the road, you can come back. We can spend a little more time together. Really appreciate you taking time to hang out. Yeah, for sure. Happy to be here. Like I said, hopefully nobody fell asleep at the wheel. Hopefully we we captivated some hearts and minds. And yeah, maybe next time we talk about how this all applies to copy because it's the same thing. Yeah, that would that would be fantastic. Well, guys, listen, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, uh, please go to wherever you listen to this episode. Uh, leave us a positive review. We'd really appreciate that. Also, again, the show notes, all that stuff, tomgaddis.com. I'll see you next week on another episode of What's the Secret Podcast. Once again, thank you so much for carving out the time to hear what was shared on today's podcast. If you found it helpful, then please share it with someone else. Just simply share the link or post it on Facebook and say, check this out. Really make my day if you did that. Also, make sure you subscribe if you haven't already so every podcast gets sent straight to you and you don't have to go searching for it. Again, my name's Tom Gaddis, and I'll see you next week on What's the Secret Podcast. Aloha for now, everyone.